0: Welcome to another episode of Kinsider. I'm Chris Peterson. Today, we're chatting with Sam Adams, co-founder and CEO of a new media company focused on LA's growing tech scene, and a new media company that just happened to launch right before COVID-19. But first, the always active podcast space has continued to make moves since our first episode of Kinsider a few weeks ago. Spotify has finally launched their new podcast with Michelle Obama. The first episode was released last week, featuring an interview with her husband, former President Barack Obama, and it's exclusive to Spotify. Interestingly enough, a totally unrelated podcast about Michelle Obama was trending at the top of the Apple charts. And as I said, this podcast is exclusive to Spotify, so it wasn't the right podcast. This shows that Spotify was successful at letting people know about the new podcast coming out, but people just opened the podcast app on their iPhones, expecting to find it they found something totally different that wasn't the right podcast. This shows the marketing challenge that the podcast space still has because most Americans aren't active listeners. Think about Tiger King. Everyone knew to go watch it on Netflix. The podcast space, and Spotify in particular, is going to have to solve for that, especially around exclusive content. Also, Serial, which I called the holy grail of podcasts in our first episode, has been sold to the New York Times a deal which Tree was involved in. The New York Times was already the third largest podcast publisher by unique U.S. audience, according to PodTrack, which, by the way, PodTrack is an opt-in service, so it may not cover every network. However, the New York Times is very big. This move, especially when another season of Serial launches, could have them competing for the top spot against NPR and iHeart, a really big move for the New York Times in showing a commitment to audio and the digital space. And for non-podcast news, the NBA returned last week, and the way they are reimagining the sport and fan experience is incredible. If you didn't see it, the NBA is now using social media and their own app to bring fans inside the NBA bubble. During the games, video from fans is playing on a huge screen as if they're in the arena, sitting courtside. Twitter's also highlighting the best tweets, and the list goes on. Watching the return of basketball made it feel like you were watching the future of sports rather than the sport just trying to replicate what the game used to be. Great innovation in a time of crisis. Congrats to the NBA. Now, let's chat with Sam Adams, co-founder and CEO of DotLA, a new digital media company focused on the growing tech and startup scene in Los Angeles. Sam tells us that the other outlets are focused too much on Silicon Valley and, especially with COVID, there's so much action in the startup world outside of the Valley that they want to highlight and build a community around. Sam, welcome to Kinsider. Thanks for having me, Chris. Yeah, so let's talk about .LA. What is it?
1: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so .LA is a new uh, news and media outlet that is, um, you know, focused specifically on the Los Angeles tech and startup community. You know, over the past couple of years, LA has really become a great hub for uh, tech and, and innovation, more generally. But there's not really much coverage of it because you know the tech crunches and the recodes of the world mainly focus on companies that are based in Silicon Valley and the Bay Area, and the local media like the LA Times are not really equipped to tell this story. So we started uh, the company a, a little over a year ago to help kind of support and. Uh, give exposure to all of these great startups that are happening in LA. Uh, And then we formally launched about six months ago, actually last Monday.
0: That's great. So essentially, I mean, you know, for so long, everyone has only thought of Silicon Valley and then also maybe Seattle as places of of tech startups. But that's definitely changed over the last decade. And you guys are filling a gap of, you know, just a lack of media coverage on the space and and the startups maybe that are doing it in Los Angeles versus, you know, the traditional going, getting an office in Palo Alto and Mm -hmm. uh, bootstrapping it in Silicon Valley.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, that that's a trend that uh, you know has been happening for you know a while now. Um, you know, twenty years ago, yeah, if you were starting a, a company, you know, it more or less had to be in the Bay Area or yeah, as you said, Seattle, maybe New York. Um, but that has you know really changed, and there's been um, a massive decentralization away from the Bay Area over the past couple of years. To Places like LA, but you know, there's a lot of other um, cities that fit that profile as well. You know, you look at Denver and uh, you know Austin and uh, Miami and all these great places. And and venture capital has decentralized uh, away as well because um, you know investors are realizing that there are better deals to be had and and you know great unique companies that are happening everywhere, um, especially in LA. But uh, but as I said, everywhere. And so, yeah, there's been this decentralization in companies and in investors, but media hasn't really fallen suit. Um, and so that's kind of the market opportunity that we're trying to, to capture um, and kind of reflect this, uh, this decentralization.
0: Yeah. And you co-founded this with Spencer Raskoff, uh, who was one of the Zillow co-founders. How did you two connect?
1: Yeah. Um, so Spencer and I connected uh, about uh, almost a year and a half ago. Um, so he is from LA, uh, as am I. We'd gone to the same high school, actually, about 20 years apart from each other um, <laughs> and you know had gone on our different paths. And so he was the co-founder and longtime CEO of Zillow, which is based in Seattle um but had actually moved back down here about you know four or five years ago um and was commuting uh up to Seattle just because he wanted to you know raise his family in LA and it's a great place to be Mm -hmm. and then finally left Zillow after about 10 years uh a year and a half ago um and was thinking about and what he wanted his next uh step to be and you know thought that a media company that would specifically focus on shining the light on all of the great innovation that's happening in LA would be a good next step. So he, through kind of just uh, mutual friends, um, uh, he found me, you know, it was like for a co-founder and someone to kind of manage the day-to-day uh, operations, you know, while he could play. So he's our uh, executive chairman. So, so he plays uh, a very active role, but um, you know, not, minute to minute like I am right so yeah we uh we got connected about a year and a half ago um and uh you know have been off and running ever since
0: yeah great and Spencer actually has a podcast right and so (laughs) um I assume that's part of dot la and talk about the content you guys are creating and what mediums you're using uh in addition
1: yeah yeah that's right so we uh w- one of our first initiatives uh here at dot la um at least in audio was to reboot he had um, a really popular uh podcast when he was at silo called office hours you know mm-hmm. where it's basically him just talking with you know really interesting high profile people and um it gained a uh, an audience while he was at silo and retained the rights to it um when he left and so we Got that off the ground. Um, it's been going super well. We've had a bunch of really interesting conversations. So uh, I would suggest that everyone listen to this. Uh, go uh, <laughs> search office hours, Spencer Raskoff, uh, wherever you find your podcast. So that that's been our first uh, foray into into the audio space. But we have actually like three podcasts in development right now. Um, so we're hoping to announce at least one of those in the next two weeks. So yeah, we're uh, <laughs> we're all in on this uh this space as well.
0: What about, um, I believe, you know, when you guys first announced live events, uh, we're going to be a big part of this. And especially now, you know, you guys started a company, right? Uh, well, at least, you know, a couple months before COVID, but I guess you've existed now more in a COVID pandemic world. Talk about like how you've had to change or, you know, maybe adapt to it in this new world. And especially like how that affected you as starting a brand new company, a media company and where we are today.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, it's yeah. D- that was definitely. A bit That's a
0: loaded of, question. I know.
1: <laughs> it was a yeah. But you know, the the whole um, uh, the world shutting down and no one can uh, gather uh, was definitely a curveball. Um, you know, in person <laughs> events were a you know big part of the original idea um, because community is just such a a key part of you know what we're trying to accomplish here. You know we had a, a prospectus document uh, you know, on like March first that <laughs> you, you look at now and it's just very, very quaint. but the <laughs> but the upside of you know being a young company, we had been announced for six weeks before uh, everything shut down we had been launched for six weeks before everything shut down. But the upside of that is we can be very nimble and we you know pivoted really rapidly. Um, we did our, first virtual event call it a strategy session we now do them pretty much every tuesday Mm -hmm. and we did that on like march 16th or something like that uh you know really really early on in it just because even though we had all these grand plans it was early enough that you know we didn't have any you know massive deposits on hotel ballrooms or something that you know had we (laughs) been a little more developed we would have at that point so you know, we were able to, uh, to pivot very quickly. And now we do basically one or two uh, of these virtual events um, every week. You know, they're really resonating with the community. You get great attendance because, you know, it's a lot easier to speak at or attend an event, uh, you know, when it's the same <laughs> screen and living room that you're doing everything else in rather than having to, you know, commute on the, the 10 freeway at, uh, you know, 5 o'clock p.m. or something. So, yeah, we've been having a lot of fun with that. And and also because the lead time on that is so much shorter, we've been able to iterate. And, you know, like I said, we're doing two of these a week as opposed to two of these a month, which was the original plan. Yeah. And so we've been able to get a lot of reps in, you know, learn a ton about, you know, what resonates. And also, you know, everyone is, was starting from scratch on this. So, so we actually, uh, you know, if not had a head start on this, um, at least, you know, we're on equal terms with uh, people who've been doing this for a lot longer. So it's been an interesting couple of months, um, and uh, not exactly you know well, what I expected everything to look like uh, six months ago. But um, you know we have a great team, uh, and everyone has been you know able to you know move quickly and do great stuff under strange circumstances. So I'm really grateful for that.
0: Yeah, you know, you make a really interesting point that had you been further down the road, you might have been in a lot worse position because you guys weren't necessarily tied up into, you know, events that were already planned. You were able to move more quickly. And then you're totally right going to a virtual event uh, when you're trying to build a community, especially in your position, is probably a lot more successful versus saying, yeah, you got to come to this, you know, happy hour or this ballroom <laughs> or whatever and clear out a day or a night for it. So that's that's a really interesting perspective and the right one, I think. What about managing a team and building a team during this time? Because um, I'm sure you've had people on board, but you've probably brought on some new people too that you've maybe haven't even gotten to meet, uh, <laughs> yeah. except maybe distance, uh, talk to us about that from like a management perspective, how that's been.
1: Yeah. That's, that's been a really interesting part of this. Um, I mean, part of, in large part, we're pretty fortunate because the nature of the work that we do, you know, does not require, you know, in-person interaction. We were actually, you know, more or less largely distributed before this. We did have an office space, but, You know, the expectation was that people would be in, you know, maybe two days a week, and then uh, work the rest from wherever made the most sense for them. So, you know, we already had that in our DNA. It's definitely been an interesting challenge to kind of culture build and team build in um, scenarios when you're you're not getting kind of spontaneous interactions with each other, which I think is a big part of kind of getting to know each other and, you know, giving each other the the benefit of the doubt um, or, you know, and assuming good intentions and things like that. But, you know, we have a great team and most of the people had started in, um, you know, October, November. So we did get a couple of months um, of baseline. We've brought on two people since um, lockdown and we have uh, another one coming in. And that's definitely been, I would say it's actually not been as challenging as I might have expected it to be. Hmm. Maybe part of it is the specific personalities of our team, and you know, but everyone's been very, very welcoming and just uh, figuring out how to um, work together, even when you're not together. So yeah, I mean, we had our first uh, <laughs> socially distanced meetup. Uh, it, it was uh, two Fridays ago we met at a, at a park in Beverly Hills and, you know, got yelled at by the, by the Rangers, but you know, everyone Perfect. was wearing masks and, you know, sitting six feet apart from each other. And uh, yeah, that actually was the first time that I had uh, met in person, um, Kelly O'Grady, who's our, our head of uh, uh, video. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that, yeah, that was, that was pretty funny, but um, yeah, all, all, all told, I, I, I think that it's not been, quite as challenging as I might have expected it to be, but definitely not ideal. Like I'd, I like to see the people I work with. So
0: um, of course. Well, and that really goes back to, you know, uh, being nimble and, and the state you guys are in. It is a benefit, again, to, you You know, compare that to other companies that uh, are in the office every day and work from home is not a part of their culture. That's a much bigger growing pain for them right now uh, than it would be for you guys, I guess. But to take a step back and maybe a wider view, not just on .LA, um, since you guys are covering the startup space um, and, and the tech scene in LA, are there any trends that you're starting to see come out of this that maybe surprised you or that you think will be more impactful moving forward now that this is four, five, six, who knows how many months we're going (laughs) to have of this? You know, what are you seeing on your side and what have you guys been covering?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the question that everyone's trying to figure out is how many of these changes are are permanent and how many are going to, you know, go back to the way that they were whenever that's appropriate, whether a vaccine or whatever it is. You know, there's a lot of these trends that that are permanent. I I think that we are not alone as a company in finding that, you know, work from home is, the downsides are not uh, as drastic as, you know, people assume that they might be. And there are a lot of benefits. You know, the question is, what does the office of the future look like? And we've actually done a couple of uh, panels on that. And, you know, I think that there is going to be a big trend towards hybrid workplaces and, you know, companies will still have offices. But I think that, you know, the default of most of the time working from home is permanent at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so from a, a funding perspective, I think that there's a lot of money flowing around, actually. And, and I would say that, you know, investment has not been down by as much as, you know, you might expect. Um, I mean, I mean even in the public equities market, uh, the, you know, we haven't quite had the drastic hit that you would expect. And I sure. personally think may still become, but yeah, I mean, I think that there's still a ton of great deals that are, you know, happening. Um, there is this uh, uh, company that just announced $51 million um, Series C uh, called Density, you know, that is working on social distancing projects. um, They just announced when we reported um, a company called Heal that just raised $100 million that is, you know, trying to work on telemedicine projects and things like that. So, you know, it's... Everyone, uh, you know, the the venture community and the you know uh, entrepreneur community, uh, like everyone else, is just trying to wrap their heads around what not only the next you know six or so months look like, which I feel like most people have made their peace with, but what the world looks like on the other side of this. Yeah. You know, there's going to be a lot of great companies that are going to be built that will build that future. So <laughs> everyone's just trying to figure out who they are.
0: Yeah, that's right. And on a recent episode, we we were talking about how half of the Fortune 500 companies started in or around a crisis or a down market, right. and specifically about Dixie Cup, how it became a household name uh, after the um, Spanish flu. Oh,
1: interesting! I didn't know that. I'll, I'll,
0: have, to, yeah. I'll have to
1: listen to the episode, <laughs> find out more.
0: Exactly. So is it to to get towards the end here, you know, you mentioned earlier about Silicon Valley. You know, um, the tech scene and startup scene has moved away from that. Do you think that this pandemic will accelerate that even further?
1: Yeah, I, I think absolutely. And and that's kind of the main theme of the past four months. It's, you know, the COVID crisis has just accelerated a ton of trends that were already happening. And yeah, yeah I, I think that some people overstate that and some people understate it. You know, you see stories about like, A Facebook engineer is going to, you know, get a mansion in Boise, Idaho, for you know, fraction of what they're paying, and then they'll just do that. I I think that that kind of thing is a little uh, overstated, but yeah, certainly going to places that, for the sake of that place itself, um, as opposed, you know, since we're all living in Zoom anyway, and so I think that a lot of the people moving elsewhere, and especially to LA, I think that that is certainly the case. Uh, I know that, you know, you're based in New York. I'm curious about what's going to happen to New York in the next couple of months. Yeah. I, I lived there for several years. We actually just hired someone who was like, yeah, I don't want to be in New York. I think that that will definitely bear out a, a little bit more. And then the other thing is, you know, what exactly does it mean to, for a company to be based somewhere anymore? I mean, yeah. right? Since everyone's remote, and you know, you can more or less do that from anywhere. Um, I guess a company is based where the CEO sleeps most of their nights or something. <laughs> but other than that, it's like becoming more and more ambiguous. And so we're, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to uh, you know, put our finger on that uh, as well.
0: Yeah, definitely. The New York thing, I'm curious to see how that works out as well. You know, I just can't imagine a world, at least till there's a vaccine, where, you know, these these huge skyscrapers are able to even handle logistics of getting people in and out of the office, right? Like, when you think about just elevators and how backed up they can be on a daily basis during, you know, rush hours, how do you do that and still socially distance? It's going to be pretty interesting to to see how that unfolds. Absolutely. Cool. Well, Sam, I do appreciate you uh, joining us on Kinsider and we'll uh, share all the links to .LA and, and the podcast that you guys have as well. So thanks for joining. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Chris. Thanks for listening to this episode of Kinsider. If you like this episode, please hit subscribe or follow wherever you're listening to podcasts. If there's an option to leave a review, that'd be great. For Kindred Media, I'm Chris Peterson. Talk to you next time.